0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: And on a beautiful night here at the Coliseum, the lights have taken full effect. Welcome to Taking Effect, an Oakland A's podcast with Ken Korak. Now, with an inside look at the A's, here's Ken. We're in Mesa at the A's home here at Holo Camp Park as we continue with our Taking Effect podcast. And I think appropriate to talk to David Force today, the A's general manager, because we're sitting here as we record this. Um, David, opening day is literally two weeks from today. And it's been an extra long camp because, of course, the WBC has been played this year. But as you look back on the camp so far, what have been your primary impressions?
0: Well, it has been a long camp. You're right about that. It feels like we've been uh, here in Arizona for quite some time. Um, but camp is going really well. I mean, I think the obviously the biggest uh, setback had been Sonny's injury. Um, but he's doing well. He's, he's recovering nicely. In fact, we got good news from... The, uh, the doctor in Chicago today, and he should probably begin playing catch as soon as tomorrow. So uh, that's good. But, you know, aside from that, we've generally been healthy. Um, we've swung the bats really well. You know, we had a nice stretch there. We scored a bunch of runs, and, um, you know, guys are, are getting into shape there. And, and otherwise, our starting pitching has done a nice job. Uh, Kendall's pitched really well. Jarrell and Manaya um, have thrown the ball well, and, and we just have a couple decisions to make on the back end of the rotation. But um, it's been a good camp.
1: I want to circle back to talking more about the camp, but you brought up Sonny Gray, and he's been out with a lat injury, and will begin the year. I would assume there, I don't think there's any doubt he'll begin the year on the DL. But and timetables can be unfair and, and nebulous. <laughs> but are you optimistic he could be back at some point fairly early?
0: I don't think we know anything until he until he progresses playing catch. I mean, this is. Uh, generally a two plus month injury from from the time it happens so um, you know if if he gets back earlier than that great I, I think we're, we're gonna wait until like I said he plays catch the last week or so here and, and progresses and then we'll see how he does
1: you're gonna be here for what two months or more than two months sprint training this might be a it's kind of a general question when you come to spring training what do you want to see what's important to you
0: staying healthy is absolutely the most (laughs) important thing as many as many years i've been doing this and this is my 18th spring we always open that first meeting with the major league staff and saying let's do everything we can to get everybody healthy uh or get to april 1st with everybody healthy so um you know that that's our goal obviously aside from that um you know you want to see guys make progress over the course of the month i mean you don't want to make too many decisions based on March performance it just it's not a good barometer of, of how guys are actually playing but you do want to see guys get better and and get the pitchers stretched out and see position players out there for you know seven seven plus innings come this time of year so um, but more than anything you really want to see guys not go down on the field
1: Bill King one time famously on a broadcast down here said the more I think I know in the spring the less I actually know. Would you subscribe to that theory?
0: A hundred percent. As with everything Bill said, there's nothing but truth in it. (laughs) But it it applies both on an individual and a team level. I mean, we've had springs where we've played great. I mean, won the Cactus League Championship, looked like we were unbeatable, and then go into April and we go like 10 and 15 and and look look like a totally different team. Um, On the other hand, you have guys who play really well down here, swing the bat, uh, great. And then, you know, open season 0 for 20. So it, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's a different environment. The lights get turned on, those things. You, you really can't put too much stock in anything that happens here. Yeah.
1: So you mentioned Bill. When Bill, we got the word from Cooperstown, he's yeah. going in the Hall of Fame as the Ford C. Frick Award. Recipient, What went through your mind?
0: It's, it's an incredible honor for him. Obviously, everybody's first thought was it's too bad it couldn't have happened while he was still here. Um, but, I, you know, I only had a few years around Bill when I first started with the A's. And, um, you know, I share everybody's enthusiasm for, for the way he went about it. I mean, everyone has their own stories. I I remember my first year here in 2000, uh, I made a road trip to Texas. Oh, uh, well, that which, was dangerous <laughs> around Bill. Which is never good. And we played... God, we played, I think it was a 17-16 to 16 game against the Rangers. Oh, that was
1: the famous uh, never-in-your-wildest alcoholic dreams Evening that Mark Mulder started on the mound for the A's. So
0: you you remember more of the details than I do, but what I remember oh, is that was, is
1: no, that was one <laughs> of the all time great Bill King explosions. But
0: but I happened to be with him in the elevator back at the uh, at the hotel uh, after the game and, and just knowing how disgruntled he was with everything and him you know this was my first maybe my first road trip ever with the team and him saying to me in the elevator like don't ever come to Texas again. It's always effing miserable (laughs) so like i said everybody has their fond memories of bill and and nobody you know we couldn't be happier for this honor for him
1: yeah i think i'm not sure i think it was 17 to 16 at the end yeah yeah uh that was a wild night it was almost the beginning of the end for bill as far as going to texas i've always said this that was the night that put him over the top Let's circle back, go back to the the end of the season last year. Mm -hmm. Tough year for the A's. Not the kind of year that you, you and Billy and the rest of us really are used to with this club, with all the winning the A's have had over the years. What are your initial thoughts? What's the process like? What are you trying to accomplish once the season ends?
0: Well you know we we sort of took stock of what we had in September obviously you know we played an entire month if not more without being in contention for anything so you saw the guys come up you saw Pinder and Wendell and Cotton and, and a lot of these guys get opportunities and you have to kind of evaluate what you have and and recognize where your team really is I mean we're in a really competitive division with a couple teams you know Houston and Texas, who are, you know, show no signs of slowing down. Uh, Seattle is clearly going for it on the big league side. They made a ton of trades, and I think you have to recognize where you are and, and ultimately how you get back to creating a window of more than just one year at a time for you to succeed. I mean, we've we've now had here um, over the past couple of decades a couple stretches from 2000 to 2006, and then 2012 to 2014. Uh, these stretches where we put together competitive playoff teams and that ultimately has to be your goal so then you sit back and think okay how do you do that um, well we have a, a young foundation that is really sort of maturing right now and most importantly it's maturing on the pitching side um, you know we've talked about Sonny I mentioned Kendall, Cotton, Manaya, Triggs, Daniel Mengden came up last year Uh, We've added Frankie Montas, we've seen Daniel Gossett here, so when we get together last October, we look at that group and say, okay, there's something tangible here in terms of a starting pitching foundation, and and ultimately, we need to hold on to those guys. We can't use those guys to trade for more immediate success, Um, but also, we have to build around them and put position players in place now to kind of foster a culture of winning, and, and... find the position player prospects that are going to catch up to them for a long for long-term success
1: is it is it hard to stay patient when you're competitive Because you're trying to, you have a long-term goal for this club to develop that foundation for future success that can be sustained. But there's also this competitor in you as well,
0: without a doubt. And and that, you know, that applies to Billy. It it frankly applies to ownership as well. And that's why we've never done this sort of complete teardown that you know say the Cubs and the Astros did that you know the Brewers and Reds and a couple other teams are going through now. We don't see that as a viable plan to completely tear it down. Go into a season knowing you're going to lose 100 games and, and, you know, tell the fans to sort of wait. I mean, we have expectations, our fan base does, and, um, you know, ultimately we want to go into every season knowing that, you know, we're going to be competitive and ultimately get better as the season goes along.
1: And I would think that along those lines, the acquisitions you made this year, uh, guys like Matt Joyce and bringing Ploof in to play third base, it's maybe not fair to those guys to say, well, maybe they're not in the long-term plans, but you also, safe to say you know that you have guys coming that you hope will be part of the long-term plan.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, look, anything can happen. Anybody can play their way into our long-term plans. I mean, these are not um, these are not older guys. I mean, Ploof, 30, Joyce, around the same age. These are not guys who just have a year or two left. So, anybody can play their way into our long-term plans, but Signing those guys and Rosales and Raj and Casilla, you know that goes to what I said about sort of fostering a a positive, a winning culture. And and you can't just throw young starting pitchers out there to the wolves every night because, you know, part of development is learning how to win and being in close games. And you need to build the whole team around those guys.
1: You've been asked, David, so many questions about chemistry. Do you like the chemistry on this club? And how, assuming that you do do you think that that will impact the young players coming up?
0: Yeah, I think it's a really important part. I mean, look, in spring training, everybody has great chemistry because the wins and losses don't mean anything. Everybody's happy. You know, there's there's so much sort of hope and optimism. So everybody's got great chemistry during the spring. Um, but certainly when we looked at the kinds of guys to bring in, uh, I mean, nearly all the free agents we signed, we had some history with obviously – Raj, Rosales, and, and Santiago had all been here before. We knew what kind of people they uh, they were. Uh, Matt Joyce was with Dan Feinstein in Tampa. Nick Paparesta knew Matt from Tampa as well, so we had a little bit of insight. And um, and Ploof, not that we had him, but um, we knew him as an amateur years ago. Our, our scouts knew him really well, and and the more people we talked to, it sounded like he fit with sort of the vibe here and, and what Bob likes to do. So it was important from a chemistry standpoint to get good guys, and uh, and again, let, let the young guys learn from guys who, you know, who know how to do it the right way.
1: It's fascinating, I would think, for all of us, and especially for fans, for those listening to our podcast today, to understand what goes on behind the scenes. Because you mentioned you talked to Dan Feinstein, who has been in the A's front office now for several years, but had been previously, as you said, with Tampa Bay with Matt Joyce. What's it like in those meetings after the season? Who's involved, and how do you go about the evaluation process and then targeting certain players?
0: Well, there's a core group of us in the front office here, so starting with Billy and myself, uh, you know, Dan Kantrovitz and Dan Feinstein, assistant GMs, um, and then a couple guys on the analytics side who we, you know, we get together and, and you know, try and find some targets, try and find where we need to fill in, and then ultimately the process from there is we, we go out and get the information from scouts from the stats billy owens is a huge part of that you know billy also an assistant gm is is out in the field he's kind of our our eyes and ears out there and uh, whether it's through scouting reports or him talking to other clubs we get a lot of information from him you know we go out and get all that information on minor league free agents on major league free agents trade targets sort of bring it back and that core group gets together and ultimately decides on kind of a plan of attack who's realistic to target what trades might 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 we be able to make and you know, the, the puzzle sort of comes together over the course of the offseason.
1: And as you said, the A's have a good core. Uh, everybody talks about Barreto and Chapman, and I know that that's for very good reason. Mm-hmm. Let's start talking about Franklin Barreto, because he's had a phenomenal camp, and there was nothing he really did, I guess you could say, that would cause him to go down to the minor leagues. He was 13 for 27 here, but I also have to assume he knew at some point he was going to get sent down to the minors.
0: Yeah, I mean, you'd have to ask him that. I, I, I'm sure he saw himself hitting 450 and thought, hey, maybe there's a chance I stick around. But, Frankie did a great job here, and he is, you know, he's nearly ready. I mean, there's not that much more he needs to do other than get a handful of AAA at bats. I mean, he really only came up for the last week and some playoff games last year. So, you know, it's part of his development. Get some AAA at bats. Get some reps uh, at both spots in the infield. I mean, I think we know. Once he gets here, I mean, we're going to have to find a spot for him to play. Obviously, Marcus is installed at shortstop. Um, we have the ability to play both Jed and Rosie at second base. Trevor's over at third with, with Healy can play there. So, um, you know, something's going to have to happen for him to get here. Uh, that might, that thing might be him just playing so well in AAA we figure it out. I
1: mean, if he goes down his 350 for the first five or six weeks, yeah, you yeah. got to find a place for this guy. We
0: absolutely do. And, and a good example is Ryan Healy, who we didn't have plans to bring up last year, but he forced our hand, and we made a spot for him. We moved Danny Valencia to the outfield in the first base and, and gave Ryan third base. So, um, But most importantly, you know, he's, what is he, 20 days removed from his 21st birthday, I think, and uh, showed incredible maturity here in camp. Everybody in the clubhouse said this guy from a year ago was a totally different, you know, just person and, and a lot more confidence, you know, is is sort of evolving as a possible leader in the clubhouse. But man, can he really hit? It's fun to watch. Yeah.
1: Who gets the if you look at, at Healy, uh, drafted by the A's out of Oregon, he comes to the big leagues, he plays seventy two games last year in the in the big leagues, and looked like he had been here for five or six years. He goes right into the middle of the lineup, hits over three hundred. Who gets the credit for the development of Ryan Healy?
0: Mostly Ryan Healy, to be honest. I mean, he he deserves a lot of credit. I think he had a little chip on his shoulder when he didn't get invited to big league camp last year. And, and true credit to him, he really uh, he really capitalized on that. But uh, on the minor league side, you know, there's a bunch of guys. Keith Lippman, Grady Fuson, Jim Eppard, who's our hitting coordinator, and Ryan Christensen, who managed him in A for the first half last year. All these guys told me at various points early last year, said Healy's determined – this guy's going to hit his way to the big leagues, and they were right.
1: How important is the continuity? You mentioned guys like Grady and uh, Keith Lippman, I think, has been in the organization as long as anybody with the exception of Steve Vucinich. <laughs> How important is that continuity?
0: It's it's a great part of this organization and, and, and frankly, of working here, is that there are so many people that are lifelong A's. Um, and even, like in Grady's case, who left and came back and, and you know, kind of were never... You know, we're never gone to be honest but Keith has been here I think since 1972 um, you know look, Billy's been in the organization since he was a player in 88 Um so it, it is great, and we know from the major league to the minor league side, things are always being done the same way. Um, you know, the other connection is, is always player development and scouting, and, and Eric Kubota, our scouting director, has been in the organization, I think, since 1984. Mm-hmm. So he and Keith go back so, such a long way that you never have that friction between player development and scouting that sometimes you see in other organizations. Mm-hmm.
1: That's A's General Manager David Forrest from the A's Spring Training Complex in Mesa, Arizona.
0: You've been listening to Taking Effect with Ken Korak, an Oakland A's podcast. Ken will return with a new episode soon. Subscribe via iTunes or download single episodes at athletics.com slash podcasts.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.